You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Sylvia Coulter is a co-founding principal of Law Vision Group. A sought-after speaker and recognized leader in law firm business strategy, Sylvia assists firms with strategic business planning, key client retention and growth strategies, client service strategies, and leadership and organizational culture. She is an adjunct faculty member at George Washington University, where she teaches in the Master's in Law Firm Management program. Sylvia is the co-author of The Women Lawyers' Rainmaking Game and co-author of from Key Clients to Strategic Account Management and Rainmaking Advantage. She is a co-founder and active board member of the Legal Sales and Service Organization. She's a former elected president of the Legal Marketing Association and is an elected fellow of the College of Law Practice Management. And I've got with me on the show today, Sylvia Coulter. And today we're talking about the top five actionable items to focus on for developing your practice. Sylvia, I'm excited to have you. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, it's exciting to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So you've got a wealth of expertise on this topic of business development. And I know you may not have always had that knowledge, but so kind of tell us uh, your story. How did you get to where you hold this level of expertise? Where did you start in your career and where are you kind of focusing today? Well, let's see. I started my career a long time ago in the attorney general's office in Boston. I'm not a lawyer. I was an administrator in the government bureau, and we were the first attorney general's office to automate litigation. And we used a product called Wang. (laughs) And one lawyer and I sort of helped the attorney general automate the whole office. At any rate, I was putting myself through, through college and at the end of that, went to work for Wang and in sales, and we basically opened up the legal market in in uh, Boston for Wang. After about three or four years, we could see that the first of all, Wang was near its end, and we could mm-hmm. see that the market, the legal market, was becoming a lot more competitive. And mm. so we started. There were there were three of us who in sales who started what was then known as Coulter King O'Neill. And we were way ahead of our time, like 15 years ahead of our time. And everybody was doing marketing and brochures. And that was, you know, law firm marketing at the time. And there was no such thing as business development. And you couldn't even say the word sales at that point. And so that evolved. And over the years, spent 10 years consulting and then um, was invited to join the former Hale and Door as their chief marketing and business development person. And we really focused, we built a team that really focused on helping the partners drive revenue. And I spent five years there. It was terrific. Went to another global firm for two years that was kind of crashing and burning. So there were five of us mm-hmm. who came in and helped turn the firm around. And then I rejoined basically the consulting world, ended up at Hildebrandt, well-known brand in the legal world. And we were owned by Thomson Reuters at the time. They spun out their five business of law units and retired the names. 
and thus Law Vision was born. So that's a quick story over about 20 years. <laughs> well, that's um, great. That's great. Yeah. I was going to say, I think you've got a unique perspective, not necessarily being on the periphery of law firm marketing, but being right smack in the middle of it the whole time. Exactly. Inside, outside, around it, um, helping with the operations. So it's been, it's really been terrific having all that experience. And now I head up our business development team at Law Vision. So tell me, what do you think has been the big change from the time you started in legal marketing till today? What are some of the big changes that you've seen? Well, it's the legal marketing world. I mean, in, in, I'm assuming you mean marketing and BD changes. Or, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep, that's right. There, there's just tremendous, tremendous pressure. The industry has basically remained pretty flat. I mean, there might be a teensy bit of growth, but the, you know, it's pretty flat in terms of demand. And so we have a lot of people, a lot of firms, and now we also have the accounting firms, right? right. And the other alternative legal service providers all competing for the same pool of clients. So there's tremendous pressure on firms to get it right. So I think what's changed is the amount of pressure on the individual partners to not only be great service providers, but to also be great salespeople, be project managers, be pricing experts. So you can see why many of these partners are really not happy with the practice of law at this point, because they've got way too much on their plate. So I think that's the big change is the amount, uh, the expectations on an individual partner in terms of you know the services he or she needs to provide within and outside their firm, outside of just being a great legal service provider. And what I find interesting, which I think is sad in many ways, is that I will, because as you know, I do headhunting. I talk to partners all day. Mm-hmm. And I'll come across some that are amazing attorneys, but they're stuck at their firm because they haven't built a cadre of clients that would follow Mm -hmm. them to another firm. Mm -hmm. And they're making a lot of money. They're doing well. And they know that they're stuck because nobody's going to pay them what they're making in their role. And then what's even, I think, even worse is coming across some partners that haven't even thought about that until, unfortunately, it's too late and Mm -hmm. they're being shown the door for whatever reason. And I'll never forget the time I had had a happy hour with a white-collar partner where I'm actually giving him advice just because I've talked to so many partners over the last 10 years or so and I've seen what the good ones do, and I'm having to share with him, this is what you need to do to approach business development. So let, let me ask you, kind of going down that path, what are your thoughts on how partners can approach business development and how do they find the time to do so? So, you know, we do a lot of business development coaching of partners. I, I focus primarily on partners And what I say to them is, you know, you don't need these huge chunks of time. You don't need to go to cocktail receptions every night. Those things don't work really well for the clients either. They're all busy people. And if they have time, they want to go home and be with their families too. So, I mean, those things work for certain partners. Don't get me wrong. You know, what really works for, for everybody, no matter who you are, is we look at time in terms of six minute increments. Spend 12 minutes, two six-minute increments a day making calls to people who you know, your contacts, your clients, referral sources, 
So in order to be organized enough to do that, we use something called a contact activity tracker. And anybody can email me for a copy of that. It's a simple Word document. And you, you go through your Outlook, print it out, select up to 50, five, zero contacts. And those are the ones who, who you believe in the next 12 to 18 months are going to either refer you business or give you more business or give you business. So that's my list. And then I start making calls. We're not asking for business. We're building relationships. And that's the key. Anybody can do this you know, as long as you, you've got to be organized. So you've got your list on your desk or in your briefcase or, and shoot a quick email off to somebody or mm-hmm. reach out. And we say four times a year, do that. So if you spend six minutes a day, every single day, or 12 minutes a day, every single day, that cumulative time is pretty significant. Right. I met a partner recently that I've been very impressed with, and he's a younger developing partner and he says that he tries to make one connection each week, mm-hmm. one, 50 connections a year in person with somebody that can give him business, whether it's a prospective client or an existing client that he's doing work with. And it's paying off just to see him doing a little bit at a time. Absolutely. So let's just say this, let's say somebody has this list that they put together, they email you. And what did you call that document again, Sylvia? Oh, I call it a contact activity tracker. So a contact activity tracker, they get that to you, they go through their outlook, they find 50 people that they think are good prospects. And let's say they're going to call, they're going to see about setting up a meeting, or they're going to email them something. What are a couple of ideas? Like, if, let's say if they're going to email them something, what do you think they should email them? Like something like, here's an article that I wrote, I thought you'd find interesting, or here's, here's a conference that I thought you might want to know about. What are some ideas for emailing and calling? Sure. Well, you know, if you're in a larger firm, and I don't mean mega firm, but just if you're in a firm that writes, you know, where partners write blogs or have articles, or you can go to your firm's homepage and find all kinds of great information. And let's say that your contact is a chief science officer, Mm -hmm. and you don't see anything relevant on your, you know, uh, at your firm's website, but you do have some new tax issues that one of your tax lawyers wrote about. You could send that to your contact and say, I know that this isn't your area, but could you, you know, I think that your CFO might find this of, of interest. So you're just, you're demonstrating a couple of things there. One, you're, you're staying connected. So it's just staying top of mind. Number two, you're giving your contact a value proposition for within his or her own company. And number three, you're kind of saying, you know, the business, you know, that, you know, tax issues might be of concern to the business, you know, and the other thing is I always tell people, look at business week, look at fortune, look at Forbes, see what's going on in their industry, do a Google search for your client or your contacts industry. And there may be an interesting article that comes up And you just send it around and say, here's a really interesting business article. I don't know if you saw it in this week, this month's Forbes, but thought you'd enjoy it. Because these people, whether they're lawyers or not, the clients, if they're in a company, everybody is considered a business person. And the lawyers in these corporations will tell you that as well. So just show them that you're paying attention to their industry and their business. And then the other thing on that contact list is your own partners within your firm 
are also referral sources. So you've got a list of clients, get the list of clients, you know, maybe the top 300 and take a look at that list. And are there any clients for whom your either your department, your practice area, or you are not doing business and begin to build a relationship with the responsible partner for that client. So there's all kinds of ways to do this. It's just do something, <laughs> if that makes but sense. I, I, think, I think that most attorneys are not in the ready, fire, aim category. They probably want to be deliberate and intentional about this. And I would even say, what about taking everything that you're talking about and putting it down in an action plan, like writing down, these are the action steps I'm going to take. Do you think it's possible that they could come up with any sort of automation systems for something like this? You know, there are some good systems out there, and we've actually co-proposed with some of the people who who do have to who do offer that technology. But I'll tell you what the problem is, Scott. The lawyers don't enter it online. It's really a challenge getting the lawyers to use the online technology. Not everybody. But that generally, I mean, a number of consultants over the years have invested a lot in technology and uh, getting, look, think about the CRM systems in firms, huge, huge investment, huge resource actually, and getting the lawyers to enter data or information into those CRM systems is really difficult. Even if there's assistants enter the data in, getting the lawyers to use it is a challenge. So it's yeah, just yet, right. you know, if you think about it, it's yet another thing I have to learn. And it's another thing I got to sit there and figure out which time ticks by. So I think if you're proficient with technology and you really like it, it will work really well for you. And if you're not, then you're not going to use it. So, so let me ask you this. So the law firms, a lot of the larger ones, they'll have people that do work in marketing and some in business development. How much should a partner expect his or her firm to do these things for that partner? Or is it something that the partner says, well, I guess I'm just going to have to tackle some of these things on my own? Mm -hmm. Well, interesting discussion. And I just wrote a couple of articles about this and interviewed some managing partners for those articles. So what we see is a trend now, and I think it's growing pretty quickly, maybe like a, you know, seven to 10% clip a year at this point. And that is law firms hiring salespeople. Now there are still partners who will say over my dead body (laughs) and others, you know, once they really understand the value of a salesperson because we're all trained to go get business from the competitors, right? That's what we're trained to do. And the better ones are the ones who are successful at that. And so Law firms are beginning to hire salespeople. I think we will see much more of that, and it will just take time. Now, the challenge, according to the managing partners, is that of the firms, and, and Womble was one of the first firms to hire a sales team, and there are quite a few more now beginning that process. One What's of the, the challenges- Steve, uh, Steve, what was his name that was over there, or is over there, Steve? I'm trying to think of his last Steve name. Steve Bell. Actually, he just left That's and right. joined us, so- Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Well, he was there for 18 years, so he's kind of a, it was semi-retirement from that world. And uh, right. so we're excited to have him. And they were very happy to 
um, have his expertise and think really, really well of Steve. And so what their managing partner said is that the one mistake that, that can be made is that all of a sudden the partners think, oh, well, we have a sales team to do this now. And they completely right. remove themselves from the process. So if you think about it, and bear with me on the analogy, the partners in the law firms are the products, right? That's what we're selling right. is them. Right. And at some point, I used to say this to Bill Lee at the former Hale and Door, at some point we have to demo the lawyer, if that makes sense. Right, so right. <laughs> I can keep in touch with everybody. I can build the relationships for the firm. And then when the call comes in that they've got an opportunity, I've got to bring the right lawyer in who has to build a relationship on, you know, on merit in the moment and close the business. And we can work together to do that, me as the salesperson, but it's, it, the lawyer has to get involved at some point, obviously. And then I can, you know, I, the salesperson in the law firm, can remain the client contact on some level if there's an issue with billing or there's an issue with, you know, I can't get hold of the partner or things like that so that the partners aren't having to deal with the administrative stuff. So it works out incredibly well as a team, frankly. So what, what do you think are one or two common issues, perhaps opportunities that you see when working with lawyers on their business development goals? Getting them to respond on time to opportunities. And a lot of firms have said lawyer engagement is one of the biggest challenges. I would say just getting them to respond. So we've got an, an active opportunity. Let's go for it. And finding the time, you know, time is of the essence, right? When you're ready right. to close business and you want to make sure you're there before your competitors are. So I would say lawyer engagement because they're so busy. Sure. And also just the training aspect, frankly, is I think they're very, very bright. When they get it, they fly, literally. You know, they're just, you know, unbelievable. Because sales is exactly like practicing law. You ask good questions, which is needs assessment. You come up with a strategy based on the information that you have. And then you present and you ask for the business and close, right? So it uses the same skill set, if you follow me. You know, good questioning techniques, kind of leading the witness, if you will, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you always know what your next step is in selling. And I would say getting the lawyers to really feel comfortable with that and see that the process works if they stay engaged is the challenge. But once they do, they, they really fly with it and they can be extremely successful. That's great. Have you worked with people individually where you've seen a marked difference from the beginning to the end in how they've been able to make those changes? Absolutely. Absolutely. And part of it, I mean, we call it sales confidence, right? It's just building your sales confidence, having the right tools, knowing what to do, and then trying some things that you otherwise might be uncomfortable with. But as soon as you try it and it works, then it's easy, right? That's anything we do in life. Try it and see how see how you feel about it, see how it works, and then you're off and running. So if we can get people to try new things, we're, you know, we're in good shape as they are. So what do you think are some of the bigger mistakes that lawyers make? We'll kind of close out our conversation with that. The big pitfalls that they should avoid, the big mistakes that you've seen them make 
things like that, Sylvia? I think one of the biggest mistakes they make is once a matter or a, a deal or a case closes, they, you know, the client goes somewhat dormant, right? And right. so that becomes an inactive client. And clients change law firms at the point at which they need the lawyer, need a lawyer again, and they realize you haven't been in touch. You following me on that? Right, right, sure. You know, a year goes by or maybe 10 years goes by or five years goes by, and I haven't been in touch with you. Now something, and I had a great outcome the last time we worked together, but my lawyer hasn't been in touch with me. I've completely forgotten about her. And now I need a lawyer again. And I realize, you know what? She hasn't been in touch with me in forever. And Scott's been in touch with me trying to get my business for the last three years. I'm going to give it to him. So I would say, keep in touch with all your clients. That is number one. Because even if they don't hire you or would be in a situation where, let's say securities litigation or white collar Mm -hmm. crime or divorce or, you know, the clients hope that never happens again, right? But those clients are tremendous referral sources. So keeping in touch with them is really, really key because they may have future business. Maybe it's not securities litigation. Maybe it's something else, or they will refer you to colleagues of theirs in other companies. So that's number one. And that's, that's easy, right? I mean, you know, these people, so keep in touch with all your existing clients. And I think with laterals, frankly, you're in recruiting. Where do we start, right? Well, you know, the laterals haven't been, that whole hiring process hasn't been remarkably successful with many firms, but it can be because if the laterals focus on, again, start with 50 individuals and go from there. And it may take time, to build that, you know, the, the book of business back up, but it's, you know, start with your inactive clients, start with your contacts and focus on those and always have a next step. And I think that's the other thing, Scott, is not having a next step in your court. So it just kind of falls off a cliff, right? We, you know, oh, we did a dog and pony show. We have this huge RFP. It's down to three firms. We had a great meeting we haven't heard from them. And I want to pull all my hair out because I say, you're not going to, you have to call them. You've got to have the next step always has to be in your court in sales. And what are some examples of that next step? Let's say somebody does that dog and pony show. What would be some action items you'd recommend would be a next step for them? Sure. So the client might say, you know, I, well, first of all, you have to ask, so what should, we really would like your business. What should our next step be? And they might say, well, we've got to interview two more firms or one more firm. We'll be in touch. So they just took the control back from the sale, right? They will be in touch with you. And the next step should be always create a next step based on what they told you. So the next step should be, that's terrific. We look forward to hearing from you. And if we don't hear from you within a week or so, we may check back in. So I just created, I took control of the sale back. And I just created a next step by doing that. And you, you look less desperate when you tell them that you're going to be in touch. Where exactly. if they didn't expect that, then you, why are they calling out? Well, you said you would do it, so you're following up now. Right. So they're expecting you to do that. So that's Another great. example is, you know, well, we didn't select you. We had a board member who 
knew somebody at another firm. And so we went with them this time. A, don't drop the ball forever because you probably will have another at bat. And B, the next step based on what they just told you is, you know, you've been so supportive, Steve, on this with our firm. Give us a sense of a time frame where we could meet with that director or the board. So now we get to know those people. Right. Right. So take what they tell you and turn it into a next step. You know, we're not ready to hire a firm yet, but we are going to, you know, we're looking to expand by acquiring a bunch of medical device companies in the Northwest. The next step should be, you can assume it a little bit. You could say, you know what, that's terrific. And when I get back to the office or when I hang up from our call, I'm going to have my partner, Sue, reach out to you. She's done a ton of work in the Northwest. She works with medical device and bio companies all the time. She might be a good resource. I'll make the introduction. So you're taking what they tell you, you're creating a next step. That's great, Sylvia. And tell us about the other things that you do within your job at Law Vision, within your practice. And then we'll certainly put your bio link and email on the show notes. Oh, well, thank you. So we do strategic account management, which is also known as key client planning, looking at who are our our strategic accounts and really helping firms drive revenue um, through that process and really building it into the firm's strategy. So we don't have these various key client teams, you know, popping up in firms and and at the whim of of partners with all due respect who don't know how to drive the, you know, the business with these key client teams. So we help with strategic account management, really client retention and client growth and new business development. We do lawyer training, coaching on the business development front, um, marketing department audits, and mm-hmm. a marketing go-to-market strategy. So really anything, Scott, that has to do with driving revenue, retaining clients, growing clients, and attracting new business. Well, that's great, Sylvia. Like I said, we'll put your link on our show notes. And we also had your colleague, Susan Lambreth, on our show earlier this year. Oh, yeah, Susan's about, terrific. Yep. Yeah, talking about product management. And that was mm-hmm. really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, for those people who are interested in sales and getting more support, I'm on the board of the Legal Sales and Service Organization. So that web link is, uh, web URL is legalsales.org. And they have an annual conference focused exclusively on sales and service. So that might be something else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll check that out as well. That's excellent. Thank you for mentioning that. Sure. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. And I'm sure we'll have you on here again talking about some other things in the future, Sylvia. Thank you so much, Scott. Take care. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.